Hello and welcome to the Beautiful Game Podcast, you are wise, middle of the week football discussion show that will maybe briefly mention international football and then not talk about it for the rest of the show. I'm Alex Woodward, joined this week by Alex Tan Brown and Josh Westwood. Hello. Hello. Hello there. We've opened the show in the last two weeks with a joke of like, wow, the football didn't happen, but this time it really didn't. Like it actually, no, doesn't count. Honestly, though, I've had almost trouble telling the difference because the last sort of couple of weeks have been so dire. Genuinely, not an exaggeration. I, I didn't miss it, which is yeah. uh, something I didn't think I'd say after the last lockdown. It, to be honest, you know I just... It, oh, go on. It, fe- it feels like I'm a year ago today when we just didn't have football. Yeah, Although absolutely. I know that international games are playing. And when I heard, oh, England are playing, even when we were playing against San Marino, I was there like, Nah, I don't fancy that. Even when we're playing mm. against a better team like Albania, nah, I don't fancy that. A be- I just sort of skim like through Albania. the I mean, yeah. you're right, but <laughs> I just sort of skimmed through the results and just went, "Oh, so that happened. Cool." Yeah, that there was actually like some football, but I, I mostly used it as an excuse, to, like catch up on reading, watch some other sports, and just you know, relax. It's it's been it's been a nice it's been a welcome break. It's been a welcome yeah. break. Well, there was football, and that brings us to our games of the weekend, and I'm going to go first. I'm going to go for Peterborough 7, Accrington 0, because, of course, I need to show some love to League 1 as well, whilst we're in the international break. And do not take away anything from Accrington, because they have had a phenomenal season. John Coleman's doing a really good job. They've been playing really well, but, good God, this this was bad. And you, you could feasibly... See a 7 0 where the team who lost didn't really do anything bad. They just caught a team on a bad day. And b- bad day from their perspective, really good de- day from the team who scored seven's perspective. But this wasn't really that. Peterborough found it really easy. Watching the highlights was kind of like the Akronson players were running at half speed. They kept making costly mistakes. John Coleman was sat there in the stands just going, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 he, he looked like he'd run out of ideas almost before the game had actually started. It doesn't help that they've come to Peterborough whilst they're on a really good run. Obviously, real contenders for promotion, Peterborough in League One. And we've been talking about whether they'd be able to replace the goal production of Ivan Tony all year. I think Johnson Clark Harris has now finally answered that with a very outstanding yes. Again, a hat-trick in this game. He's been playing phenomenally since joining from Bristol Rovers. He's having his best season yet in League One. He's been playing really well. And the whole team just played really well. They they had several people who could have won Man of a Match. It was a really good performance. And weirdly enough, the last time Accrington lost and um, conceded seven or more goals, they lost 8-2 to Peterborough in 2008. The managers were John Coleman and Davin Ferguson. So, we've been here before, which is just a bit weird. But yeah, Accrington losing 7-0 to Peterborough. Unfortunate, but it has to be my game of the weekend. By the way, if you do like reading on Athletic subscription, they did an article a while back about Accrington Stanley, and it was really good, really recommend that. Anyway, Alex Tam Brown, your game of the weekend. Uh, my game of the weekend is an international game. Boo! <laughs> Pick League <laughs> 2. <laughs> The reason why I chose it is because I think it uh, explores a interesting problem that the Irish national team have, and it is their 1-0 loss to Luxembourg. 
right. Let's be honest, Ireland should not be losing 1-0 to Luxembourg in any situation. I know Luxembourg have started to create a good team now, you know, with Vincent Till and Martins Pereira, uh, Enes Mamutovic at the back, uh, Gerson Rodriguez on the wing. But this is a Ireland side that went to play at home to Luxembourg and started with a back five. No, just just no. <laughs> and the re- the reason why I picked this game out is because I think it just ex- I think it just shows why Stephen Kenny is not the right man for the Ireland job. Another game I want to mention real quickly from League Two: Forest Green Rovers nil, Bolton one. I know that's a big um, yeah. happy news for yes. Alex Sam Brown for some reason. Um, Owen Doyle, the League Two goal scoring extraordinaire getting another one for Bolton. They've now won 11 of their last 13, having drawn the other two. They have been... They, they actually, at, at points at the beginning of the year, looked like they could actually go down again, which was really worrying. But Ian Everts finally got them playing that, you know, Barrow-Salona style he became famous for at, at Barrow, weirdly enough. And they now actually look like maybe odds-on favourites for promotion. 37 games, 63 points, level with third place Tranmere. They've also got a game in hand on Cambridge United, who are four points clear of them. So they could actually end up even winning the league. They, I was, I've been stunned by how they've been playing recently. They've been absolutely phenomenal. And they deserve all the praise. Meanwhile, for Forest Green, they have sort of been slipping recently. Two losses in their last three now, but... They're still only one point away from Tranmere in that third place. They're fifth in the league, 62 points. They they actually... I You can't really feel bad about this if you're a Forest Green fan because you have played, played Bolton at exactly the wrong time. They they kept them in a close game. They played really well. And they deserve a lot of credit for only losing 1-0 to a Bolton side who have been absolutely phenomenal. Anyway... Before we move on from the Football League, there's one other game I want to mention. Bristol Rovers nil, Sunderland 1. Sunderland have now won 10 of their last 12 games, their third in League 1. They've been doing absolutely brilliantly since Lee Johnson took over, which absolute credit to him. I'm sure this is the point where Alex Towles has mentioned that they're almost inevitably going to go on like a six-game losing one because that's just what Lee Johnson <laughs> does. But there's a really good quote. It turns out Lee Johnson isn't just a good football manager, he's also a poet, he's also a wordsmith. Because (laughs) after the game, he said, there's a quote, Do sharks worry about Monday? No, they go around being sharks, biting stuff and being aggressive. We showed that and I think it resonated quite well. So yeah, we bit a few ankles today, that's for sure. I mean, wordsmith, right? (laughs) He's operating on several planes above the rest of us, <laughs> and Otis language, uh, you know, we can only sort of sit back and behold. That, that's the sort of thing they study in English literature at university. Surely, yes. He's, he's up there with Shakespeare, you know, it goes Shakespeare, Johnson, and the rest of the idiots that write poetry because they're not as good as Lee Johnson. Yeah, no, they're, <laughs> they're not going to be as good as Lee Johnson. They should just give up. Now, is he the poet laureate yet? I'm pretty sure he's got the Nobel Prize for literature at this point. Like, it's he's it's getting the Nobel Peace Prize with his words. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, that 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 quote is going to unite the planet. So it was at this point I was planning to have another adequately difficult football question, but with the quiz coming up, I've decided to instead have an incredibly difficult football question. And the incredibly difficult football question is: Which Spanish side play at a stadium named after a person who never played for them? Oh. Wait, hang. Repeat that slowly, Alex, please. Which Spanish side play at yeah. a stadium that is named after a person 
who never played for that side. Is it Atletico Madrid? No. Because their stadium's called the Wanda Metropolitano. I don't think that's the name of a person. Oh. You won't is get it. it. Oh, is it a third tier side? No, it's not a third tier side. Oh, okay. okay. You've got 10 seconds. Is it Santiago Bernabeu, Real Madrid? No. I, I should say, actually, just in case I've got something wrong, who also has no real affiliation with the club. So it's Ramon not Sanchez named after, not named after a president, not named after anyone who's who's connected to the club. It is Fuenlabrada who play at the Estadio Fernando Torres. Fernando Torres has never played for Fuenlabrada. He <laughs> why he was born in Fuenlabrada. He's probably so Fuenlabrada is a small community in Madrid. No. No, I cannot cannot wait for the Erling Haaland Stadium in Leeds. (laughs) No, I'm sorry. This has got Jude Bellingham vibes written all over it. (laughs) Yeah, fair. He was born in Fuenlabrada, went to play for Atletico's youth team, obviously went on to be Fernando Torres. Actually, it's always been Fernando Torres. Didn't move on to being Fernando Torres later on. (laughs) And Assumed an alter ego like the Batman. Yes! (laughs) Um, yeah. Well, his parents shot in an alleyway by any chance. No, no. he's more akin to Superman. He puts the football boots on, and no one recognises him as his previous name. <laughs> he's just Fernando Torres. The weird thing is, is that he was he was given the stadium name in about 2011, whilst he was playing for Chelsea. You know, a massively successful spell he had there. And yeah, this so makes no sense. He wasn't have, he wasn't at the opening of the Estadio Fernando Torres. His parents were, which is nice. <laughs> they weren't shot. It turns out, and. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, found, I found that I know, I've known it to be the study of Fernando Torres for a while. I've, I thought like he must have played there before he moved to Atletico. And I, was, I looked on his Wikipedia and I was like, no, he didn't play for Fuenlabrada at all. He He's never played for them. <laughs> so yeah, that was the answer. There might be more of answers. <laughs> Who knows, this might be a thing in Spain. Meanwhile, the let let let's go to the Estadio Cristiano Ronaldo for Rava Icarno's game again. No, <laughs> <But> <laughs> did actually find out. Um, Saul, who plays Atletico, played for um Rava Icarno, as did Diego Costa. So you know they've had big names. But anyway, if you want a, another game to look at the highlights of, I would highly recommend Fuenlabrada for Mallorca one, because. In the, they, they scored their two goals. Fuenlabrada went 2-0 up. Scoring the 13th, 38th minute, Oscar Pinchy scored. But my dad was genuinely convinced that the Mallorca goalkeeper had been bribed. Or was, you know, betting on the game or something. That's how bad his keeping was. <laughs> oh, wow. He genuinely believed that. There is no legal reason to assume that we are not making that claim, just in case anyone wants to, you know, take us to court. Please don't. I've got things to do. <laughs> but he was like, like going no there is no way he's not taking <laughs> he didn't get much better after that they conceded a penalty which was scored then they and Mallorca pulled one back to open the second half and Bula 56 minutes in they had a chance to real good chance to make it 3-2 pretty much having an open goal that they just couldn't get like their head on and after that um, Sis scored for friendly to make it 4-1 it was game over there but it was a really interesting game. I would recommend watching it, if only for how bad the goalkeeper was on both of the first... Like, one ever... I, I get it. 
because one ever like that in a game is bad. Two is absolutely unbelievable. Both the first two goals were absolutely the fault of the keeper. He spilled across for the first one, which he should have never spilled. And for the second one, he just sort of passed it to an attacker in the box. So they weren't great. But anyway, we'll move on then. And there, there were other games in the Skunder, but, you know... Go look for myself. I would talk about Ravai Carno's game against Hihon, but they lost, and I feel sad. So we're not going to do that. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the Qatar boycott that's been building in the news in the press. There have been more voices about it this week. The Belgium national team have said, We demand stronger action to improve working conditions and human rights in Qatar. Football has the power to create positive change. Let's use that power now. They called on the FAs and football associations to do something about it. That was very much mirrored by Mino Viola, the agent, who said, why are we expecting that the players should be the ones who are driving the change? It's not really, you know, it's not really their arena. And Josh Kimmich also said something similar. He said, it was like, any moves to try and get the World Cup called off are coming 10 years too late. And he also questioned why the football authorities aren't doing more about it. So, I mean, I guess we agree, right? The players are not the ones who ultimately have to be driving this change. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think we've discussed on uh, the radio show at the weekends that change won't really happen unless the sponsors get involved, unless the money people get involved. You look at the likes of the Coca-Colas. Does McDonald's still sponsor? I think it does. McDonald's um, Visa, uh, Gazprom, mm. all the major sponsors. Of yeah, need unless to have a word. they Gazprom do things. Going to have yeah, no, no, for the obvious reasons. It, it, unless they somehow or or a major backer like say Coca Cola gets involved with this, it's not really going to change. Perhaps if you get like a France or a, a Germany or, or somewhere like that, then boycotts. Then maybe you, or maybe say UEFA, the entire European segment boycotts maybe you get something like that but other than that i i don't see real change see, um there's a problem because if say like france and germany start pulling out sure right all the other big sides will kind of pull out right and so you no brazil no argentina and then you'll get like these i don't want to call them second class sides but they they, they, they kind of are you'll get teams like slovenia go in and you'll see teams like yeah Georgia and Equatorial Guinea who are wanting to go to the World Cup. I'll be honest, I'd be fine with seeing Equatorial Guinea win the World Cup. <laughs> Just, yeah, that would the, be hilarious. The, the thing is as well though, we're going to, if they do pull out, we're going to have a team that like, like like Slovenia who's won the World Cup and they'll be going around going, oh we're the best team on earth and actually it's not because <laughs> of that, it's because of something completely else. And it's been downhill did... since they lost Lubimor Mikulik. <laughs> a brilliant championship player. Um, but yeah, if 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 teams start pulling out, there's it's double-edged sword because yeah, fair enough, you won't have the best teams playing at the World Cup, but there'll be some teams that'll be completely rubbing their hands and going, oh yeah, this oh, is. Oh sorry, our sorry, time. sorry. He's Slovakian, not Slovenian. Oh, dear. I knew he was one of the two. <laughs> but this is far more important than the Qatar World Cup is the nationality of Lubomir Mikulic. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. I feel like countries have to start pressuring their associations. If they're yeah. gonna, so if France, England, Germany all got together and started pressuring UEFA and going, look, we'll break away from UEFA if you don't get us all to boycott this World Cup. That's when the change will happen. 
when your big teams start going mm. and pressuring their own associations. Especially Absolutely. Europe as well, because there are fans in other continents who accuse FIFA of only really caring for the European game. And I don't think that's an exactly harsh accusation to make. So if suddenly Germany, France, Belgium, England, all of the big European players started pushing UEFA to pull out, that would be the biggest single catastrophe FIFA could have, is, is Europe not being in the World Cup. Absolutely. I mean, you can't tell me that they couldn't give the World Cup a short notice, say this summer, so they've got a year to do it to a well-established nation that already has the facilities. And mm. I'm sure there are many such nations around the world who could hold it at such notice. Uh, you know, so get it moved. And you need the big players, like you say, but it, it's not an impossible feat. Yeah. I think the problem is, though, we're at the stage now where we're 18 months out from the World mm. Cup. And the problem is, because we've, we've talked about this FIFA bias towards UEFA, realistically, the only ones that could host it are UEFA European countries. Mm. I mean, Brazil yeah. possibly. Brazil maybe, but you but know, the situation America. there is not very great. The, the situation mm. they're in, they won't want to have America hosting two straight World Cups. Exactly, and so you're looking at sort of UEFA or maybe even Australasia. You mm. you don't want to give it to China for the exact mm. same reasons that you don't want to give it to Qatar. Yeah. And does any other country have the infrastructure to be able to hold it? At I think Australia and New Zealand could do it, if only because rugby... I know rugby league's really big there. They have loads of big stadiums yeah. in the country. Maybe not football-specific stadiums, but they do have big stadiums. You, you could, I mean, like you could play on a cricket pitch. You could. The issue is fans are too far away. But that's why I mentioned rugby league, is because a rugby league pitch's dimensions are not too dissimilar from a football mm-hmm. pitch's. So... You know, you look at all the is, big stadiums have for rugby league, but be fine. The only problem is, is the travel time between Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Well, no, the, the other big problem, uh, I was going to say, is the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's Australia. But otherwise, I mean, you've got England, Spain, France, Germany, probably. Um, you could even do a, a pan Europe one, couldn't mm. you? I guess the I issue we're doing a pan-African one. Mm. The issue we're doing a pan-European one, or even just a European one in general, is that then you'd have people from Qatar going. Well, clearly, UEFA have pulled out because they want the hosting and all the money for themselves. So, but, let's be honest. Popcorn kettle black, Qatar? but you know, yeah, listening that's, to Qatar's that's also a very fair point. How my, dare my... you care about money when we enslave our people to do the work? Yeah, exactly. But my my problem is. And I know this is me also moving the responsibility onto the wrong group, but if you're going to be sat here waiting for the football associations and the people in charge to do anything, you're going to be waiting an awful long time. It's the same sort of thing that Formula One last week held a race in Bahrain, and Lewis Hamilton spoke out against it. And a load of fans going, why are we having races in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia and all that? We shouldn't be. And then they would go and watch it. My problem is, if you're just going to wait for the head honchos to change, you're you're just going to be waiting forever. Yeah. If people don't boycott the Qatar World Cup, they have no right to complain. Because, yeah. ultimately, there is one thing FIFA care about. Money. And if suddenly it looked like there was a very genuine chance that the viewing figures for this World Cup would absolutely fall... 
into oblivion, then suddenly the sponsor will be going, well, we're not going to pay you that much money for, like we've done in the past for, for the rights to sponsorship. And that would scare the living hell out of them. Do you know what I would quite like to see? Right. If we're not going to boycott it, mm. qualify, right? I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of the European countries here, really. If you if you're not gonna boycott it, qualify, and then choose players who aren't a bit, who aren't like your top players. Mm. So you know turn the whole was, event into a farce. Turn the whole event into a farce. Play and I, and I know this sounds horrible to go in, into the national league and say right you're gonna get a call up for England you're gonna play at the World Cup. But because, that's because we're boycotting it. Yeah, it sounds awful, but also you're then you're turning up and you're. You know, completing your contractual obligation because that's what it is. It's a business. Yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. you're not breaking any law. You've chosen the best twenty three players that want to represent you, and mm-hmm. these players will get a world stage in which to perform for England, and they'll get England caps and so on and so forth. But the you issue is send out the England C team. The issue is is that they would almost be branded for the rest of their lives with you know we we had you playing for England as a protest. Which yeah. it probably doesn't feel great. Steve for England, Steve for England, Steve for England. I would happily allow Forest Green to represent us at the World Cup. Let's, Ooh, that's a statement. Let's, from let's, about let's that. actually have Dulwich Hamlet go and make them wear, you know, have them wearing their blue and pink kits. Uh, it'd be wonderful. You'd have a hell oh, of a time. I, I wonder Ooh. if kit designers would be so bold as to include like messages on the shirt. Oh, um, Dulwich Hamlet, but with an LGBTQ yeah, branded yes. shirt in Qatar. Just, just, Rainbow LGBTQ kit. flags and stuff yeah. like that. That'd be absolutely wonderful. But yeah, I know it's shifting responsibility onto the wrong, onto the wrong people. I know the fans shouldn't really be the ones driving the change, but unfortunately... They have to be. You're not You're not going to get it any other way. That That's my problem. That That's why like, I, I get really miffed when people go, well, we shouldn't really be hosting F1 races in Bahrain and then watching the race anyway. Like, you don't... Do you realise, like, your power if you actually all get together and boycott this? So, yeah, yeah. I, I would support that in football. For me, it's a real... It, it's a moral dilemma, right? Because I think this World Cup is in one of England's best chances of winning, right? Because mm. we have... Yeah, we'd be tainted. It, oh, it would be completely tainted if to, you won the Qatar twenty twenty two World Cup. Yeah. So I want to watch. I want to watch my country. I, I want to support my country if they go, if they qualify. You know, I'm not just going to assume that we will. Um, I watch it because it is Qatar, and it's just. I'm not going to watch. There, there is for me. There's no legal way to watch the Qatar World Cup that is also ethical. So there's no combination of legal and ethical to watch the Qatar World Cup. The thing I want to see. If we, if it does happen, is that we, as you know, the uh, metropolitan country that we are, and, you know, the very accepting country that we are, is that we send everyone who goes against Qatar's values to cover it, just as a massive middle finger. I'm trying to think who that would be. So, is there like an LGBT channel? I don't know. But I, I would Damn. love for an LGBT channel to go over and cover the World Cup for us. Yeah. Pink News does the World Cup. E- even uh, women in football. In fact, yeah, just be an all-female presenting yeah. panel. Really just annoy them. Yeah. Ailey Barber, Alex Scott. Because they can't do anything about it, because if they suddenly lash out, then suddenly their problems are, are exposed on the biggest mm. stage again. Yep. 
yeah, I, I, I support that. Though the issue is that they'd feel so uncomfortable, well, I assume, that they'd feel so yeah. uncomfortable with that. Um, just as an aside, I'll lads, do it. <laughs> I um, won't do it. <laughs> we all suppose here, we, we have various um, sort of inputs on it, that this will go ahead anyway. We've seen the the construction issues. We've seen, is it yeah. 6,500 people prob- have died? Probably more, let's face it. Probably more than that on construction, but it's it's not complete yet. Um, I mean, personally, it should have been got rid of as soon as they couldn't host a Summer World Cup. The fact yeah. that your bid should be Summer World Cup. If you can't fulfil that part, you shouldn't be allowed to host any but aside. Um if there's the construction's not ready, maybe it doesn't go ahead anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'd say, I'd say there needs to be a deadline for the construction. I'd say it's probably oh, absolutely. The end of this, I think it should be ten year. days ago. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've missed the deadline. I can't host. We're giving it to Austria. If it's anything positive that we can take from this, it's that at the end of 2022, when this when the World Cup cycle is over, that's the last uh, effect that Blatter has had on mm. world football and if you know if if we're going to move on and I'll just say something positive it's finally over his reign of corruption and yeah. terror because he was just the worst person for and yeah absolutely of all the things he did the worst things is for the worst thing is probably that united passions movie did you ever see that i've not watched it I'll be honest, but it was a movie that came out in, I want to say 2014, it was essentially just FIFA propaganda, starring Tim Roth, for some reason. Love Tim Roth, good actor, but still. And it set, like, the US record for lowest opening at the box office at the time. I've never heard of it, so... It, honestly, go, go and look it up, because it's a true S-show, we'll say. But, yeah. So, just don't watch the, don't watch the World Cup. I I I wonder what what I'll be able to do on the on the website for, for during that time. I think I will do top one hundred Leeds players and just spend like five weeks writing that. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. Top one hundred Arsenal players. Lubimor Mikulik. <laughs> Go on, I'll add to was that, that too. We'll make a proper series of it. No, <laughs> he was all he was all right. He was all right. He was I always mean, the reason why our games got called off in the international break. Because obviously in League One, I, I think it's still the case. If you have three or more players who play international football, you can request a postponement. It was always him, and I'm trying to think of the other ones were Kisnorba. I think were always. I don't think Ankergan was. I think Kisnorba was an Aust- Australian national team member. Kilkenny might have been as well. Yeah. Jermaine well, Beckford, England, obviously now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So he was always the reason why... It was always great. It was like, well, my league's still going ahead, but I still can't watch Leeds play because we're off due to the international break as well. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? I've just realised, I was looking at the show plan, Mm. and we've gone from the Qatar World Cup to having strong opinions on the Champions League. (laughs) Just a controversial episode, really, this is, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, actually, we'll do that now, then. So, the Athletic, first of all, report of the Champions League reform has been thrown into doubt... Over commercial rights row, I'd recommend reading the article. But I mean, like, like, like we've already said, money is the thing that affects football more than anything else, and football, the head honcho's decision making. So this isn't really a surprise, is it? I mean, um, I'm guessing this reform is the Swiss style model. I think it came out before that. 
Oh, God. I d I'm trying to load the article up, but my internet has decided to die. So that's not happening at the moment. So it looks like they're trying to push through the Swiss model, right? And if you aren't aware of what the Swiss model is, they would get rid of the group stage and they would have all, I think, all the teams playing each other once or something like that. I think that's the, the, going to be the case. The, and it'll be expanded to 36 teams, right? Out of those 36 teams that have all played each other once or something like that, they would then have a top eight, which qualify for the round of 16. And then the teams that finish in, I think it's eight, ninth to 16th. I've not really mm. looked at this. No, 9th to 24th all play each other again in a playoff to get to the round of 16. And then to compensate for this expanded champion, there will be clubs that qualify based on historical performance. So I'm a, I'm a fan of Arsenal, right? Mm. And my team would qualify, not because if we played well in the league, but because we did all right in the Champions League a good few years ago and we've got a good... I think Nottingham Forest should be allowed then. <laughs> Either or, first and foremost, the coefficient qualifier, if they ever won a Champions League, it'd have a big asterisk next to them going, didn't really qualify. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then this Swiss-style model, it just is there to benefit the big clubs. Mm. It's not there to allow a club Bruges to have a fantastic season and win the Champions League. It's there to not allow... It's there to allow Juventus to get through and not be tripped up by Leon and yeah. Ajax. Because this is the problem, isn't Port, it? Uh, um, you've got teams that go out and shot results. Every single season you have shot results. And that's why we like the competition. Yeah. And all, all shareholders from big clubs want is income guarantees and stability. Mm. And you know, for oh, the CEO to, be go, to go to the financial statement and say, we are happily qualifying for the next Champions League and the next one and the next one and we'll get to the ages because we won't be tripped up by anyone and we'll have a semi-final every year and that's a fantastic advertising right it's bang 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 no, no, I, I love and managing then, this football thing but you know there's, there's one problem with it it's, it's just too damn exciting if we could only make it a bit more boring and predictable like pr pr production of Fiat cars where we all know what's going to happen five years in advance then we'd be, it'd be great the thing is, well, right, when it gets to the next Champions League cycle, or the Champions League has like a lifespan, European competition has like a lifespan of around about 20 years, and then it mm. changes dramatically. This change happens, and then 20 years down the line, what happens after Juventus, Man City, Barcelona, and Real Madrid have reached 15 out of 20 Champions League semi-finals? It gets boring, right? So these clubs mm. want something more. And because they go, look how well we're performing in European competition. We've reached the semi-finals three out of four times every year. And then what happens is then the European Super League comes along because they want to all play against each other because it's pointless playing these extra games against Club Bruges and Ferenc Varos because they're Love not the makers, Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it it's kills just... the game completely. Yeah. I can't it... imagine anyone wanting to watch it. No, this is the thing. thing. I, I've actively said I would stop following United if they're in the Super League because oh. I, I refuse to. Yeah, I would, I would I would not follow Arsenal if they joined the Super League. Yeah. I, don't I mean I'd, I'd have watch to the Champions worry about League this, under... but you know. <laughs> I don't think I'd watch the Champions League. Oh no, the, I wouldn't. Yeah, under I wouldn't. this Swiss yeah. format. Because it just it kills the competition. 
And that, that's have... seemingly what they're forgetting. That they, I, I, I genuinely think that the heads of UEFA and the heads of these football clubs just think fans are stupid and will watch anything because it's football. And it, it's Juventus, and we all love watching it. We don't. And so they, they'll watch regardless. The issue is they don't seem to get that fans watch football because it's unpredictable. If not, m- they would just watch, I don't know, Very Steady as much Cook. As I, I don't know why. As I much as I hated that uh, Tottenham's run to the Champions League final, right? No. That, ge- that game against Ajax. Oh, that annoyed me. Where they went through, I hated them getting through, but I the pure did. drama of it, right, was unmatched. To either have Ajax in the Champions League final or to have Tottenham in the Champions League final, from a mm. neutral's perspective, to have a team that could possibly win the Champions League for the first time ever in their history, or a a fallen giant like Ajax mm. are to go back into the Champions League final and play against Liverpool. That is what the competition should That's be. What That's you what you want to say. It's, it's what you want to see. Champions Realistically, League. we should return back to the European Cup days and see. Well, they're not they're not called absolutely Red anymore. They're called Shirin and Shvesta. I'd love to see them win the Champions League. Yeah. Or in all fairness, I, if, I believe that that final was it the one that did they beat Barcelona or was it Partizan Belgrade? It was Red Could, Star that beat Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah, that was apparently the most boring Champions League or European Cup final of all time because they just parked <laughs> the bus for the entire match and won on penalties. <laughs> But you love the blank housery of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And truth be told, um, I would reform Champions League if I could. I but I would go backwards. I, I'd I'd bring back the days of the knockout ties because that's just better. It's just more drama. Um, I get the groups. That I don't mind the group stages, but it would just be funny to see a so-called smaller club go on a run and just. Um, yeah. I can't say that like words in this podcast, madness. but yeah. For me, I'd I'd go back because UEFA obviously want to have three competitions. They will have as many clubs competing in Europe as possible, Mm. right? In UEFA, there is fifty-five nations, if I'm correct in thinking, right? All of them just qualify. All their league winners, apart from Luxembourg, who have a cup competition to decide their Champions League qualifier, all qualify for the UEFA for the Champions League group stage. Eleven groups of five. And the top two go through, and then the third place teams all battle it out to get the last um, ten places. Then you have the UEFA Cup Winners Cup for the Loving Cup it. winners, and then you have the UEFA Cup for every team that finishes second to fifth in their league. Hmm. There you go, sorted. So you have the elite competition that you want UEFA. You have the secondary competition, which is also is cup winners, and that could provide shocks. And yeah. then you've got the second to fifth, which is you're good, but you're not the champions. And you'd have really big teams in it as well, which but UEFA have had a real struggle over the last few years in trying to revive the Europa League and make it... Well, it's called the Europa League because they thought that would bring in attention somehow. And UEFA Cup, name bring change. it <laughs> But No, I, I like the Europa League as a name. I think it sounds cool, but... It, it just the idea of it changing the name would suddenly make it make it more interesting. But yeah, no. But in, in that you would have your Barcelonas, you would have mm. your Juventus, your Juventuses, yeah. and yeah, it would be really interesting because you'd have them taking on somebody like I don't know, oh, Feyenoord. Also, Great. change the Europa League back to the old UEFA Cup format. 
five teams in a group, everyone plays each other once, and it's drawn where you play them, right? Fantastic. To see a group of Portsmouth, Stad Ren, Vittoria Gomarish. <laughs> Barcelona. Was fantastic in 2009. And then Barcelona. Well, they had AC Milan in that group because Ronaldinho went to Fratton Park for oh, I one mean, game. If, if <laughs> European football isn't about sending Ronaldinho to Fratton Park, I don't know what, what is it is. It about? Yeah. Exactly. I want to see you, Lionel you want, Messi playing away at Hull. You want that <laughs> of like someone's qualified for the Cup Winners' Cup and it's, it's Wigan. Wigan have won the FA Cup. And they've qualified for the Cup Winners' Cup. Barcelona have come second in the league. And therefore, they don't qualify uh, for the Champions League. But they've won the uh, Copa del Rey. So they yeah. qualify for the Cup Winners' Cup. And they don't play in the Europa League. Wigan versus Barca. We want to see it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. We do want to see it. I, I, want... I mean, I'll be honest, lads. Yeah. I'll be yeah, honest, sure. I think we've solved European football. Absolutely. We there we go. Lionel Messi, DW Stadium, gets the, the, the living honest. so-and-so kicked out of him for 90 minutes. There's a smaller <laughs> chance now of Wigan playing Barcelona. Slightly smaller. Only slightly, but but there is a smaller chance. We will actually go on to Wigan later on, but first I want to talk about Mahetta Malango, who is now the new chief executive of PFA. He's taken over from Gordon Taylor, or he will be taking over. I think his appointment's made official next month. He's running uncontested in the election, who will be taken over from Gordon Taylor, who I believe held the post since 1981. So he's been there for a while. Gordon Taylor has given his blessing as well to the appointment. A bit of a left-field appointment. Most people are expecting either Ben Perkis, who was the guy who ousted Taylor to get the job, or uh, one of the many footballers who who applied for it. I think John Walters applied for it. There was a Premier League footballer, I forgot, who applied for it as well. Quite a few people applied for it, but a panel the, the, a panel was chosen to pick out the best candidate, and that panel has picked Mahetta Malango. Mahetta did play in England a while ago. He played for Brighton, he played for Grey's Athletic, I think he played for quite a few other clubs. He scored one of the fastest goals in the history of the Championship, I believe about 13 seconds. After his career, his career was fairly unremarkable, but he spoke five languages at the time. He was very well educated, he was very smart. He went into being a lawyer, helped with football takeovers, did a lot of behind-the-scenes work for multiple football clubs, and then he was offered the job of running Mallorca, the year before they were relegated to the third tier in Spain, which I, I would argue, I think he took over that year, I would argue that's not really enough time to get used to a club. He then led Mallorca to two back-to-back promotions, getting them into La Liga. He was the chief executive, so he was running the football side, he was running the business side, he was the head honcho at Mallorca behind the president, and this led to him being captured on my favourite football documentary of all time, Six Dreams, really recommended, he was in the second series, Six Dreams back to win, and unfortunately last year he was sacked partway through the season by Mallorca because they wanted to go in a different direction, the transfers hadn't quite worked out, apparently there was some disagreement between him and the manager, and obviously Mallorca ended up, the, ended up going down last year from La Liga, but... Mahetta still continued to build his profile from that. He came across as, as a really hard-working, good guy. And he's now taken over at the PFA, and I think it's an absolutely wonderful appointment. He's clearly very smart. He's clearly very educated. He loves football. He he knows at least a good, a reasonable amount about football in the UK. He's an ex-player, so he can sympathise with the players as well. I, I think this appointment works in every way. And a lot of the people who have been you know, around the hire or have been connected to the hire have also really 
backed it. Now, there are some people who are not backing it, and those people are the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail have really veiled against this hiring. They don't like it. Every single... I'm going to call a spade a spade, this is a, my opinion, but every hit piece has been a hit piece almost, trying to, you know, drag his character through the mud. And I wonder, I, I don't know why off the top of my head they are really against a black foreigner taking over the PFA. Did you say this was the uh, the Daily Mail? The Daily Mail. Mail. I, I mean, don't know what their problem is with a black foreigner taking over the PFA. I mean, but, this is me not trying you know, to put, you know, two and two together, but oh, I, you know, it, it eludes me. It, it completely eludes me, that one does. Yeah, absolutely. Gary Neville also called a spade a spade. He speaking on i believe he was speaking on the gary neville podcast he said that you you see this reaction from some people in in the media to the appointment of meta milango and i was part of the, uh, this is him by the way i was part of the commission who you know put together the panel who eventually hired meta milango and it is straight up xenophobia and it absolutely is xenophobia for me i don't get what in meta milango's history would make you go oh no i don't like him i don't want him to become the the CEO. I, I think he's going to be really good. Really good athletic article. Can I... Right. I'm going to I'm gonna say this. I don't want him to become the PFA chief exec. Because I want him to become the FA chairman. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. I, I, I li- like it. I like I li- it. Because when, when you first mentioned it the other day when, we were, when you were writing the podcast, I had a look into him. And I tell you what, he's got a very impressive... He has resume. got a really impressive CV, yeah. And I think he would be fantastic as chairman of the FA mm. uh, to take over from Greg, Greg Clark, who resigned because of the certain things that he resigned because of. I don't yeah. know if you want it to be mentioned, so no, no, there it's, you go. It's fine. Yeah. I think he would be the perfect person to lead the FA because he's got he's got the business side and he's got the football side. Mm. He's not, not, he's not an Adam Crozier, right? He is the right person to take to take it forward and then bring in a player for the PFA. That's my only yeah. criticism that I can think of. Well, he was a, he was a player, he just wasn't a successful he wa- player. He was a player, but he wasn't a top-level player. And mm. for me, I'd love to see someone like um, Alan Shearer as PFA chairman. A bit like Jimmy yeah. Hill was for a few... Was it Jimmy Hill? Who it was, was the- Jimmy Hill, yeah. Yeah, a bit like Jimmy Hill, really... Because no one kind of, when people say oh Mahetta Malongo they go, uh... but that's why I think he's better for the FA and not the PFA. But that's yeah, my that'd only criticism. Fair. That'd be fair. There is a really good article in the Athletic Mahetta Malongo, the CEO who can transform the PFA by Philip Buckingham. Really recommend reading it. Absolutely fantastic. And of course, I really recommend watching Six Dreams because it's my favourite football documentary and I love it. And also for Alex Sam Brown, Santi Cazorla's on it. So you oh. know. I, I love Santi. He's, I love he's him. so nice. He's I just come back to Arsenal. So nice. We'll move on then. We mentioned Wigan earlier. The Wigan takeover has finally been completed. It's over. Wigan's length of time in hell has come to an end. It they've been brought by, I believe, two Bahraini businessmen. Will avoid the elephant in the room for the time being because I I don't know enough about the situation to really talk about it. But they're, they're two businessmen from Bahrain. They've put together a Phoenix 2021 Limited. They've put together a team of football minds to take over the day-to-day running of the club. Good times are ahead for Wigan. This is I, this is welcome news. I like I like to see Wigan back on the up. And yeah. whilst we're talking about takeovers, I watched a really really interesting video the other day 
um, it was on the True Geordie's YouTube channel, and he was talking about Newcastle, right? And you know how they had the whole debacle about trying to sell the club earlier on in the year to the Saudis? Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is an opinion that they expressed, not us, but they said, do you reckon that Newcastle could be trying to get relegated so that the takeover could go through in the championship? Because the championship... When it's cheaper. And the, not when yeah. it's cheaper, because you'll still have all the assets and stuff like that to sell. He, I, I think it shaves probably 50 million off Newcastle's value being in the championship because they're going to go back up anyway. But there's less stringent rules around fit and proper. I think they could get away with it rather than in the Premier League. No. Here's why. First of all, Mike it. Ashley wouldn't want to scrape any money off the off the course. You can't. You can't both. <laughs> I, I'm not true. saying you are. That is true. But it, it seems to be to me that most Newcastle fans accuse Ashley of being a penny pincher. You can't both say he's a penny pincher and just going, yeah, it's fifty million. Who cares, right? And the other thing is, this has literally just happened in the Championship. Derby were going to be bought by a the cousin of the Man City owner, and the EFL just sat on it and sat on it and kept sitting on it. Now the takeover bid's been withdrawn, so I don't think it's as clear cut as just yeah. expecting the championship to go. Yeah, it's fine. I just thought and, it was an interesting theory to put it out there. I don't actually support it. And also, yeah, yeah, no, it's an interesting theory to put out there. And also, I, I guess the other issue is that there was a big hoo-ha back in the day with Leeds over ownership and the Premier League saying back in the 2010-11 season, if we don't know who owns the club, we're not going to let you in. So the Premier League could just go, oh, uh, well, you have to pass our fit and proper person's test for membership of the Premier League and then they'll just sit on it and sit on it and go, inconclusive verdict, we're sending you back down. Or something like that. It, so I, I think there are ways that the footballing authorities could get around it. I don't think there's precedent particularly for... I know, I know we've got the Stephen Dale example with Burby, which was a farce, but I, I, I actually think they would probably just end up sitting on it until they, they withdrew again. It wouldn't surprise me. So, yeah, I don't think that's a very smart idea. And I also don't think it's a very... It's a really weird call because how could that be conveyed from Mike Ashley down to the team? Anyway, it just seems really weird. I don't know who. Alex, Alex, don't let let facts get in the way of good conspiracy. Where's your tinfoil hat, man? Come on. I think it it rested on the fact that he wouldn't sack Steve Bruce. That's what it was all about. Oh, right, right. Okay. It's just mad that he won't sack Steve Bruce. Oh, it's completely mad. So. Meanwhile, whilst Newcastle having a little fight within themselves, the National League was having a little fight. A motion of no confidence has been chaired against the board and the chairman by Maidstone United and Dorking Wanderers. They're calling for an end to the current regime running the National League. They've put up quite an interesting letter, which I'd recommend reading. They, The National League have managed to do this wonderful thing where they've peed off everyone. So... Hmm. The clubs who wanted the season null and void, well, they've null and void of the season, but now they've heavily fined a load of the clubs. I know Dulwich Hamlet have been fined something like £800,000 and have been given a suspended points deduction in case this ever happens again. And that, and that's happened to quite a few teams. They're all really enraged by that. Also, for the teams who wanted to keep on playing while they've null and void of the season, so they've annoyed them as well. They've, they've managed... If this is actually... This takes talent to do something that stupid. <laughs> And it, it's just, it, it absolutely stuns me. Do we think it's going to pass? I, I, I think it will. 
I don't know what percentage is needed. I can see it. Is it, see it does it need a simple majority? I can see it with a super majority, to be perfectly yeah. honest. They've, they've paid them off that much. Yeah, and it has been wanna, shambolic. If you ever want to know how not to run a league... Yeah, watch <laughs> the National <laughs> League. Because there's a really obvious thing that they can do, because they want to go ahead with a restructure, right? And they want to go on... point, And they should go on points per game. If you want to sort of carry on with the restructure... And especially because they do they administer all the things below them as well the non-league. No, I think they just do steps six, five, and six. Oh, right, okay. But even so, just stop trying to null and void the league. Mm. What I would do is obviously no promotion from the leagues below. I don't think they're playing anyway. I don't think it's just a sixth tier that have stopped. I might be wrong, but just have the teams who want to play in the national league north and the national league south have them in a mini league where they all play each other once or whatever, and then base who gets most home... Do the Segunda playoff thing. Do the Segunda B playoff thing, but now we're in the promotion stage. Do that, and then promote two teams from the north, two teams from the south, the teams who come down from the, from the National League, nearly called it conference, the two teams who come down from the National League, you know, are relegated, and the teams who go up, go up. I don't get why that'd be particularly difficult. If this no-confidence motion passes, and then they have... Someone else who comes in who the clubs don't like. There could be a serious problem for the National League of clubs mm. going, we don't want to pay our fees to you this year. We're going to set up a new one. And they, I could easily see 2014... Mahatma Mohango, the, head of EFA, accepting that. I could, I could easily see 24 teams breaking away from National League yeah. and applying to say, look, we want to have promotion into League 2. And because there will be hardly any teams in the National League structure... I can see that really sort of... I can see a lot of teams going on along with it just because of the point where there'll be a critical level where the number of teams who want to break away will be so large, the teams who aren't particularly interested in breaking away will go, well, it just makes more sense to join them anyway. Mm. And suddenly then even more would start going over uh, and then about the National League's dead. There's 22 teams in the National League North. There's 22 teams in the National League South at the moment. And there's 23 teams in the National League. I think mean, about 40 of them, it's, it's, it's done. I'd, I'd, I'd say, yeah, 40. And the rest will probably follow. Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. Let's go on to the next story then. Lewandowski is going to be out for four weeks. Obviously, he missed tonight's game against England, which we don't have a score of because we're recording, and I'm not going to watch anyway, so, you know. <laughs> um, but more importantly for me, that means he misses Saturday's game against Leipzig, the one that could end the title challenge for Rassenball Sport and essentially confirmed by Munich as league champions if they, if they win because I don't see them dropping seven points after this game. This is massive for Bayern Munich. This Absolutely. is very yes. concerning. <clears throat> it also, it's massive for Lewandowski because we were discussing yes. was it on last week's podcast how he could 35 reach... goals, 26 games. If he's out for four weeks, that means... Four games? I mean, I think... my I, I still think, yeah, if he misses four games then he still has four games in which to score five goals. I think most of Bayern's opposition is relatively easy. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, think, I would now put his odds down to 90% as opposed to 120%. I think he'll break the record, right? Hmm. But I don't think he'll smash it like he was going to. Yeah. I, I, I'll be honest, I do want him to break the record. Imagine if he doesn't. 
I mean, I, even better, I want him to break the record, but Bayern not win the league. Because <laughs> that would be hilarious. I, That'd be up there with all-time lols. Oh, yeah. Look at, looking at the game, though, that we were talking about, the, the Leipzig-Bayern game, mm. they're going to have to go with probably Serge Gnabry up front, I think. Yeah. And whilst he's good, he's not Lewandowski, and he's not exactly been having the best I mean, no one is, in fairness. Yeah. He's not been having the best season for Bayern as, as Serge, unfortunately for him. Maybe there's a title race on. There might. High Liga. High Liga. Wrong, yeah. wrong language, but whatever, we'll go with it. Meanwhile, in big Premier League news, Sergio Aguero has announced he's leaving Manchester City at the end of the year. It's been it's been a roller coaster. It has. Um, I'm I'm so glad to see the back of him. What has Aguero done that would ever make a Man United fan sad? <laughs> Look, um, that, objectively that speaking, right, brilliant player, fantastic player, one you'd always have wanted to have on your on your team. You know, mm. if you'd have named right as a, as an Arsenal as a United fan as whatever, what player do you want on your side from the from another English side in the last sort of 10, 12 years? More likely or not, it's Aguero, isn't it? You know, mm, yeah. unbelievable Ridiculous. player. Yeah, absolutely. And he's responsible for that. The probably the Premier League's most famous goal. Yeah. That that oh. that second goal against Norwich City in 2015. It was absolutely wonderful. <laughs> I, I'm not ashamed to say that. Uh, how how old was I? I think I was 13, and Aguero made me cry that day. And um, it just. Uh, for neutral, obviously fantastic, and he is, oh, I loved a, it. He is a, uh, a, a, a icon of the Premier League, yeah, absolute yeah. icon. However, I, I can't say those words on the non-explicit podcast. I... <laughs> a lot of people on Twitter where the best football opinions are held have been saying obviously. he's the best Premier League striker of all time. Is he, and why not? Because it's Shearer or Henry, but it's definitely he's, Shearer. He's top three. He's top he's, three. He's, he's in third. the top. He's, he's definitely third. in the top five. He's probably in the top three. He's not the best. Okay, top five: Shearer, it, Henri, Aguero. Yeah, and I, then I, I get that. Top five from that, I agree with those. I think he's Rooney and Cole. In. I, I put Cole over Cantona. He's the third highest score after Rooney and has the same amount of titles. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. To be fair, Cantona's, I, I, it, Cantona's probably about sixth, just for his yeah. influence. Mm, but on stats and stuff, he also didn't play in England for that long. No, mm. that that's a problem though. You're you're putting you're putting him at a disadvantage because he it's not like he was going to play in England that long. He didn't the Premier League didn't start when he was twenty one. Yeah. He started mm. when he was in his in his late twenties. So I mean, for what he, he did in and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think Man United win half them titles if he don't play for them. That's true. He, he wins what four with United and one with Leeds, I think mm. something on those lines. Um, enigmatic, enigmatic player. Uh, the problem with stats is, and I, this is where I, I, I tend to agree with with Alex Woodward there. You put Harry Kane in the conversation if you go on stats. You put yeah. whereas I just don't see you can be included if you don't it, haven't won it. Yeah. If you haven't won the thing, I, I just don't see. Harry I can be I, I like wins above replacement in baseball. I think Cantona's wins above replacement is absolutely surreal. If mm. you would if you if you like you know adapt for in, if if you can even do wins above replacement in football, but in terms yeah. of instant impact that a a signing has had. I can't see anyone better than him. 
Mm. Anyway, but I, I so I would say Shearers for best of all time. Oh um, yeah. Anyone? Yeah. Anyone got anyone else? Yeah. Um, Shearer. <laughs> it's Shearer it, on me for me top two. Shearer was the like Shearer was the better striker. Andre was the better forward. Yeah, not a good one. We'll move on. Apparently, Fernandinho might not be in a contract either, so he could be leaving at the end of the year. I think Man City have already That's confirmed big. the statue. That's big. It, Fernandinho, it big. quietly. He's one of those ones like company leaving you t- at the time you think, okay, they'll replace him. Very underrated how he yeah, operates in that system fair. city. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the statue of Aguero will be him taking his shirt off after that moment, won't it? It's got to be. Or be him hitting the winning shot. Yeah, I think it'll be him hitting that winning shot. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> That's about, to say. Thinking about it is giving me chills. That's how much of an iconic. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't. It gives it me does. a migraine. <laughs> right, we'll move on. Only because you're imagining back in being in your bedroom crying again. Yeah, I mean it was the living room, but sure. <laughs> it's even more embarrassing. It's a bigger window. People can see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't film it and put it on the internet. I mean, yeah, fair points. Anyway, the Croatian Football Federation held a press conference with Luke, this according to HNS. The Croatian Football Federation held a press conference with Luka Modric in honour of his 135th cap for the national team. But to his surprise, the questions weren't asked by reporters, but by his father, his wife, former teammates, former coaches and his friends, which is absolutely wonderful. I don't know why the 135th is so important. I don't know if that's a landmark. But I think but... he's probably one of the most out capped outfield players ever now yeah but it's, it's lovely isn't it it's, 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 lovely. it's lovely weird but lovely according to the athletic the premier league are aiming to introduce semi-automatic var for offside decisions in the 2022-23 season it depends on fever trials and it would need the club's vote but it hopes that it will produce instant decisions without lines and create similar trust as goal line technology i don't trust goal line technology after last year but apart from that <laughs> In fairness, that that was one. That was yeah, no, one no, instance. I, I, I was, um, yeah. was slightly sarcastic. <laughs> okay, um, with your Yorkshire demeanour, I'm not always certain. You know, called uh, for that. With regards to that, I like the instant decision thing. I think I've said on this on a show a few times. If you can't decide it in a minute, thirty seconds. It's not clear and obvious. So, mm. uh, but uh, quicker decisions and less confusion would be welcomed. So. To kind of explain it, just in case no one's caught up on it, it would use player tracking technology provided by Hawkeye, so the people who use the goal decision system, to determine whether a player is offside or not, and notify the assistant referee to put their flag up immediately. If they can get it to work, which is the big if, you know, and yeah, they yeah. can show that it works, because when we had goal line technology coming in, there was a few teething problems when it was being tested. But they sorted it out. Hawkeye are normally quite good with that. This could be absolutely game-changing for VAR. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely game-changing for them. And I, I'm i pro. I'm pro it. I yeah. love it. I think I think most of us who live in sensible land are for it. You'll have <laughs> people on Twitter going, yeah, I don't like it. Shut up. Also, <laughs> if it creates that trust that goal line technology has, right? Mm. So when we first got goal line technology... Every ball that had been perceived to have just crossed the line or not just crossed the line was always analysed. And you'd always get that shot of the line, wouldn't you? But now there's that trust that we know the ball has crossed the line. So we don't get the replays of the ball crossing the line. 
we now just get the replays of the ball not crossing the line. So it's going to kind of, I, I see it working in that kind of way. So they'll show it first, and then the trust will be built up over a number of years for them not yeah. to have to show it and not ruin mm. the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you remember every single replay on match of the day when Goal Line Technology first came in, was it showing how close it was and all that, just to build up trust? I think now we don't really need that. Even when it was so, like 50 centimetres away. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. There was one where it was like, like closer to the six-yard line when it was a goal. I was like, I don't <laughs> need this. <laughs> anyway... There's been a Premier League questionnaire ran by The Athletic this week asking fans of all teams what they have in response to certain things. So, the I'll just run through them real quickly. Thinks their team plays entertaining football. Leeds and Man City topped the list. Leeds 95%, Man City 92%, Brighton 86%. At the bottom end, you'll be stunned to hear Newcastle 21%, Crystal Palace 38%. 38% of Crystal Palace fans think they play entertaining idiots. 21% West Brom, of Newcastle fans think they play entertaining yeah. football. Oh, like Steve Bruce, you know. <laughs> uh, believe their club is about run Leicester 98%, Leeds 97%, Bright- uh, Man City 97%, Brighton 97%, which I, th- I think they're all fair. Newcastle, yep. funnily enough, at the bottom, 23%. <laughs> West Brom, 43%. West Ham, 51%. Lads, you're, in a, you're fighting for the Champions League. Just calm down. <laughs> Clearly, something's going right. Happy if team's manager is in charge next year. Everton, 98%. Liverpool, 98%. Leeds, 98%. Who are the 2% of Leeds fans who are not happy with Bielsa? I want they just to want to be hipsters to and different. <laughs> I want to talk to them and shout at them a lot. Man City, 97%. I'm just You're just reminded of that family just... guy scene. I'm just going to talk to him. I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to kill him. I'm just going to kill him. <laughs> just, just guess. Take a wild guess at who's bottom. Is it Newcastle United? It might be Newcastle United, 25%. 25% of Newcastle fans are happy if Steve Bruce is in charge next year. There's 20% of Newcastle fans who are satisfied with their club. I'm guessing guessing they are the... No, I'm guessing for this one, if they're the ones who say, well, it's mostly Ashley's fault, so you don't really know about Steve Bruce. I'm I'm not saying I agree, I'm saying that's what they think. Or has Mike Ashley paid for some results? All that. Um, Tottenham, 45%. West Brom, 46%. 46% of their fans want Big Sam. Man United, 75%. So, mm. you know, whatever we make of that. Arsenal, by the way, 87%. Believes yeah. club has spent well on transfers in last 12 months. Aston Villa, 95%. Man City, 90%. Leicester, 90%. Leeds, 89%. At the bottom, not Newcastle, weirdly enough. Burnley. Did not spend any money. That's yeah, why. that's fair. 34%, West Brom 38%, Sheffield United 42%. They've all been flops, lads. 42%. Um, Newcastle on 53%. So, you know. I uh, think their team have a chance of winning a trophy by the end of next season. Man City 98%, Chelsea 92%, bless them. Liverpool 86%. At the, at the other end, weird thing is, Newcastle uh, are bottom of 23%, but I think they've got a really good chance of winning the championship. Fulham 31% and Arsenal 31%. What? We're FA Cup specialists, lads. Come yeah, on. exactly. Crystal Palace also 31%. Leeds at 50%. Man United 80%. And finally, happiness with club's performance this season. Man City 94%. There are 6% of fans who are going, <laughs> you know, no, not really. I think we could have done better. Lads, honestly. I mean, they could have won the Champions League. I'll give yeah. them that. Well, I'll be honest, I can't have won the Champions League already. 
you know, there's a real set structure for nobody wins it in the quarterfinals. True. West Ham ninety three percent, Leicester ninety two percent. Guess who's bottom? Now you're going to colour me shocked here, lads, because I'm going to say Newcastle. It's Newcastle with 27%. <laughs> Sheffield United not bottom, 32%, which is the only thing they're not bottoming this year. And West Brom, 34%. <laughs> Tottenham, 41% as well. Quite interesting. Leeds, 54%. Yeah, we should be, we should be fifth. What? God, Jesus, hard expectations, eh? Anyway... Now we've laughed at Newcastle for a bit. Let's move on. Um, Sabitzer wants to leave Leipzig. Are we surprised? Um, yes not. and no. I'm not yeah. surprised because he's definitely earned his move away. Mm. But yes, because looking but, at where Leipzig are, yeah, that's where fair. does he move to? Mm. Bayern. No, don't, don't do that to me, Stop Josh. it, Joshua. Don't. Stop it. <laughs> I think Tottenham and Liverpool apparently for teams he's really interested in a move to, but ev- everyone who joins Leipzig, regardless of how they do, seems to view them as a stepping stone. Like Dortmund's. Oh no! What is so sad about that? Everyone, everyone should see Dortmund as their best. Oh, I'm so sad. Anyway, we'll move on. Inter's badge. No. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> Do you remember last week we talked about the RFEF badge and I was like going, this is just modernisation, mo- trying to modernise it and simplify it and it's just pointless because the last badge yeah. was fine. But I'm, I'm refraining from swearing because yeah. it's horrible. It is horrible. It's not into Milan. It's not. How long have they had and that badge for? They've had it for forever. Yeah, so this Inter Milan badge is horrible. And I saw someone on Twitter said... Oh, the only reason you don't like the new Inter Milan badge is because you hate oh, football change. Hipster. Because you hate change yeah. and you don't like corporatism. And it's like, no, it is just objectively awful. Right? Yeah, it's just bad. It's poorly designed, poorly executed. It's, it's the LA Rams all over again. Just stop it. Unlike the LA Rams, they should actually realise that no one likes it and just get rid of it and be big boys and admit to their mistake. Fingers crossed, not going to happen in a million years. But... Do you remember when Leeds tried to change their badge? Yeah, And everyone hated it, and then yeah. they changed it back. Yeah, that... and they were grown-up big boys. Exactly. They went, oh, sorry, lads, we've made a mistake. Let's not. Can, can we change the badge to something better now? Well, still, I don't they, like They've don't gone like down the same badge. route. We want to look more corporate, and we want to be more yeah. brand-aware, and that's what they've gone and done. Meanwhile, Ben Jacobs, the journalist who covers all takeovers, he said... But he's been told that BC partners are no longer actively pursuing a purchase. The parties are close to 300 million apart in valuation, which seems like a bit. BC not interested in minority stake, which leaves Sooning in a tough position since urgent capital, at least 200 million, some say 250 million, is needed between now and May. Final story, my favourite story of the week. Um, Ronaldo has apologised for his 2002 haircut that he had at the, at the Japan... South Korea Grand, um, Grand Prix, the Japan South Korea World Cup, saying, "quote It was horrible. I say sorry for all the mothers around that time." Unquote, which is <laughs> fantastic. It's nice that he's finally come out and apologised. It, it it it's you know it traumatised a lot of people that haircut, so it it's the it's the good thing to do. 
A quick clarification before we begin the quiz that we're about to go into. One of the questions was misread. It was meant to be which controversial swap deal happened on deadline day, but I didn't initially read out the swap deal part of the question. It led to an answer being given that was correct based on what I'd asked, but wasn't correct based on the question I was trying to ask. I did slip in later on when it was meant to be a swap deal that I was looking for, but that's just to clarify, just in case you get a bit confused later on. Luckily, it didn't change anything with the scores, so it doesn't really matter, but I do want to point that out. Okay, because we obviously in the international break I, I honestly thought this podcast wouldn't take as long to this point to actually record i thought we'd be doing this would be done in 30 minutes with more than doubled that but we're going to do the quiz anyway because i spent a long time writing it and i want to do it so we're going to do another one of of uh, it happened in quizzes that we've done in the past before and we're going to do the first year i started watching football in properly it happened in 0607 which, a uh, look back to the glory days of football, glory days, it wasn't, but Leeds got relegated that year from the championship, so it definitely wasn't and the glory days. And it's your fault. It's somehow my fault. I went to my first game that year, and therefore it is my fault. Obviously. So, first question, who reported Chelsea to the FA, Premier League and FIFA, and why? Two points for this. Ken Bates? Ken Bates is correct for the first point. Ken Bates and Leeds United reported Chelsea to the FA Premier League and FIFA. What was the reason? It Was it Tom Tywo? You know what, yeah, you're getting the point for that. It was, it was the tapping up of youngsters. Obviously, Chelsea did end up buying Tom Tywo and Michael Woods. Really good article in The Athletic about it, weirdly enough. And I think the tribunal said they had to pay half a million for them too, which I at the time said that's an absolute rip-off. These could be two of the best young players that we've ever had and we're only getting half a million for them. Now, as we know, Tom Tyrell and Michael Woods did actually go on to become Chelsea legends by amassing a whole one appearance between them. And, yeah, it, 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 it didn't work out. It didn't work out. Who was appointed England captain on August 10th, 2006? So two points for Alex, none for Josh. Oh, I'll let Josh try and answer first. This is something I'm going to kick myself when I get it, but I'm not going to get it. Um, is it Steven Gerrard? We'll, we'll, it's not going to be, and I think I know who is it. it isn't it if it is, but Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard, who are you going with, Alex? John Terry. It was John Terry. John Terry. It was close. It was John Terry, and that was after the other name I had in my head. England. Uh, oh, that's down as of England captain just before. What controversial transfer happened on deadline day in two thousand and six? Carlos Tevez and Javier Mascarenhas. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's not. Oh, that's what? Did not happen on deadline day. I thought you'd get it actually, Alex. Not a Scooby. Are we are we giving up? I was going to say Tevez, so not not a clue. No. I, I'll I'll give you one clue. And Eric Jemba Jemba. No, that was that was <laughs> years before. I'll give you a clue, and it's first to get it after I say this. It was a swap deal. Cole Gallas. Cole Gallas is correct. Yes, that happened on deadline day. Ashley Cole going to Chelsea. William Gallas going to Arsenal in return. I can't believe that was deadline day. I thought it was. It was I, I'm pretty sure it was deadline day. What notable moment happened in Everton's 3-0 win over Liverpool in September 2006? 
Pepe Reina dropped the ball on Andy Johnson's head. Yes, correct. <laughs> it's now five 0 to Alex. I'm taking no prisoners. No. Yeah. It's a route. It's a route, the, boys. The one where Pepe Reina, like, to prevent it from crossing the line, sort of palmed it up into the air, and it ended up just on Andy Johnson's head. That's absolutely fantastic. There was actually I was watching um, one of my favourite games from that year was Preston Leeds in the Championship, and the David Healy goal to win the game bounced directly off the top of his head in i don't know how he did it but it was absolutely phenomenal um the athletic have done a really good article on david healy recently and they're doing a, a series called cult hero or something so they've done david healy for leeds but they've also done miguel yara for sheffield wednesday i met him in meadow hall once <laughs> he was he was eating at the table next to me in a restaurant and my dad said do you recognize him i was like no. It's Miguel Yera. Does, does he play for Sheffield Wednesday? <laughs> well, they'd played Leeds a couple of weeks before. And so, obviously, we'd seen him. I was like, does he play for Sheffield Wednesday? I was looking through the players. I was like, wait, it does look like Miguel Yera, actually. And so, I went, excuse me, are you Miguel Yera? You went, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was wonderful. Anyway, what a day. Loved that. So, what happened during Chelsea's game away at Reading in October 2006? Oh, I'm going to let Josh try first, though. Go on, Josh. You can get uh, one. No, I can't. This is the thing. It's just slightly too obscure for me. No, go on. Don't. don't Alex don't, Sam Brown. Do uh, Petr Cech's head injury. Petr Cech's head injury is correct. Oh, Stephen Hunt, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, my good God. <laughs> I hate life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Stephen Hunt's challenge on Petr Cech that resulted in a head injury. Which, for the record, was not deliberate. I don't care what Jose Mourinho says. And Jose Mourinho actually went on to blame the Premier League t- losing the Premier League title on that alone. I was like, not okay. Not, not okay. like Mourinho to yeah. completely take things out of so, proportion. So, right, first one to say this gets the point. Because we've already kind of discussed it. If West Ham is the answer, what is the question? Uh, transfer, Tevez. Yeah, Josh gets it. Oh my god, I did fire blanks. Yes, boys! <laughs> That's why I was really concerned when you Send mentioned the, oh, Tevez and Mashivana earlier, because I already had it as a question later on. <laughs> so, yeah. it was The the question was, who did Javier Mascherano and Carlos Tevez transfer to? Who became the oldest outfield player in Premier League history in December 2006? Uh, I... I could Johnson. No. He's playing for... He played for Barca after that. No, it's not. Oh, is it... Is it Darren Anderton? It's not Darren Anderton, no. He did play for Tottenham. And he played for Man United. I can't think. What was the age? He was 40 years and 272 days old when he broke the record. Or when he no. when he made it, he actually broke the record before, but then he broke the record again because he came on. Wait, again. Uh, Teddy Sheringham. Teddy Sheringham is correct. Josh on the comeback six two. <laughs> He's coming back. Who played their final game at Bellevue against Nottingham Forest in December two thousand six? Man City. Probably gonna Solskjaer. No, no. Which team? Oh. Bellevue Stadium. They moved shortly afterwards. I feel like it's one I should know and I don't. Yeah, it's a League One game. Uh, I'm going to go with Norwich. 
No, it was. They've been at Cabaret Road forever. It was yeah. Doncaster Rovers. Ah. Uh, I, I mention that because somewhere in this house, I'd have to go for on a real scavenger hunt. I've got the last match day program from oh, from a game at Bellevue, which, nice. from the last game at Bellevue, um, which I won in a raffle the year after. So you know, the things we win, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Who scored the fifteen thousandth goal in the Premier League? I might have asked this question before. Is it Mark or Brighton? It was not. No, we didn't make his debut in the Premier League until like 2011. Wait, wait, when was the 15,000? It happened in 06, 07. Oh, right. That's the quiz we are doing. Uh, Didier Drogba. (laughs) No. Yeah, of course it's 06. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Gabriel Agbonlahor. The only way to remember this is to remember what was in the papers the day after. Come on, let us know. They all ran with the headline 15,000 volts because Morris Volt of Fulham scored the 15,000th goal in the Premier League. I, I remember that morning, they were all putting like, they were all like saying, you know, who do you think is going to score the 15,000th goal? And it was all Rooney, Drogba will score. Rooney or Drogba will score it. And it ended up being Morris Volt of Fulham, <laughs> the right, right back. Can I explain the reason why I am? I think he scored the twenty thousand. I think he did score the twenty thousand against Arsenal. I think he did. I think he might actually. Was that when he was playing for Villa? Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I went Gabby Agbonlahor. Yeah, Gabby Agbonlahor did actually play a lot for Villa that year. I think that might be one of his first years of the top flight. Who became the first player to reach five hundred Premier League appearances? Ryan Giggs. No. Gareth Barry. Adams. No. Don't know. Not Tony Adams in 06 07. Oh, 06 07, yeah, of course. Played for. I want to say Bolton at the time. Had played for Newcastle. Had played for Everton. Had played for Leeds. <laughs> Gary Speed? Gary Speed is correct. Oh. Yes. So it was that's the Leeds now... thing that gave it away. Yeah. That's now 7-2 to Alex. Josh, you got to catch up. I trust you. I trust you. I believe in you, Josh. Come I on. don't trust me or believe in me. <laughs> what was notable about the 2007 League Cup final? Oh, bloody... Um, it. Is it the first cup final played at Wembley? The new no. Wembley? Um, well, first of all, Phil oh, opened the scoring and John Terry got absolutely smashed in the head. Yeah. But that's not what's notable about it. Oh. You're so close with first game at Wembley. Last game. game of the Millennium. Last game of the Millennium. Oh. Yes. I'm giving that to Alex. I'm sorry. No, g- give it to Josh because he said last game. I said first game. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. But wait, first game at the Millennium? Yeah, don't Oh, even... that makes no sense. Yeah. Do uh, you know what annoys me about that? I was so ready to make an 8 2 joke. <laughs> <laughs> We have Seven stolen three. it from him. <laughs> I tell you what, you'd be stunned if there was ever a result like that in football. Seven seven four is on the card. An eight, an eight two. We don't mention it. <laughs> it's like Forty Towers. Don't mention the war. <laughs> <laughs> what happened during Tottenham's game against Watford in March two thousand seven? 
Paul Robinson lobbed Ben Foster. Paul Robinson lobbed Ben Foster is correct. I'll tell you what, I would love to see GoPro in the goal for that. <laughs> oh, that's niche. That would work. It's not that, niche. He's a that's big, not niche. He's a mega YouTuber now. And TikTok star, apparently. And TikTok Indeed. star, obviously. Yeah, Paul Robinson lobbed Ben Foster for his second goal in, in his pro football career. Who did he score his first goal against? This is a bonus point. Blackburn? No. West Ham? No. It was in the League Cup for Leeds against Swindon. Headed oh. it. Oh, proper header as well. Shock horror. Go and watch that if you haven't seen it. It's, it's one of the best things ever. It does slightly get dampened by the fact that Leeds are really, really celebrating beating like a Division 2 side as a Premier League side in in the Cup. Oh, no, in fact, no, it wasn't. It was a draw to take to extra time, if I remember correctly. So, so it was even worse. But, you know, you've got to take these things. The goalkeeper scoring is always objectively fantastic. Who won the PFA Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year? Um, oh, dear. I thought you were going to Wayne... get it, You should know this. I feel like Ryan Giggs won it at 06 07 or Wayne Rooney. I mean, Ryan Giggs would definitely have not won Young Player of the Year. No, 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 not Young Player. Yeah. He won both. He won both, yes, he won both. Rooney, yeah. Rooney. Yeah. Alex, who are you going for? Ronaldo. It was Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. Ah. <laughs> I wanted Nine to give three. you a second go, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, this is where I could really pull it back, though, because there are six points up for grabs. In this oh, okay. one, well, I, I'm gonna make it. It was gonna be two points originally, but it's gonna be six points now. Which teams were relegated from the Premier League and promoted from the Championship? West Ham. West Ham. I'll get. I'll, um, I'll just let you name three teams from each. So you're going with West Ham. Yeah. Wait, wait. Let Josh do the six first, and then I'll do yeah. my six. Ooh, dear Derby. Um, are, are you specifying promoted no, or relegated? No, or just, just naming, naming sides. Yeah. Right. So um, West Ham Derby. Yeah. Um, oh dear. That's what I think. Watford. Um, you made three have no sides. Idea. Okay. Um, Blackburn. Blackburn. How many have got left? Four. Two teams left. You've named four. Portsmouth, Portsmouth and Sunderland. And Sunderland. So you got three points. So relegated 06-07. Yes. I believe that was Sheffield United. Sheffield United. Went down on the final day. Watford went down. And I think... Sunderland went down that year and then came up I think Derby won the playoffs um, oh god I'm trying to think now were oh, I'm trying to think who everyone played oh god this is horrid um, for the record you've named four teams thus far I'm trying to think of the two that got promoted or that I think got promoted. Oh, I know one I've missed out. Birmingham City. Okay. I think got promoted that season. And then I'm going to have to take a wild, wild stab in the dark and go 
with Wigan. Wigan. So you got five out of six. You you were cl- you were slightly wrong, but the three teams who were relegated from the last day, you were absolutely um, on, from the Premier League. Sorry, you were absolutely correct. Sheffield United were relegated on the last day after losing to Wigan at home, one of the more controversial games in Premier League history. Watford also went down. You're absolutely correct with that. Sunderland didn't go down. It was actually Charlton Athletic who went down from the Premier League as well. Sunderland actually won the championship that season. So you you looked into that a bit. Birmingham City were automatically promoted from the championship and Derby County won the playoffs. Uh, Wigan that year were in the Premier League. They survived on the last day against Sheffield United because they needed to win. Um, so it's they now went down because Tevez scored the goal against Man United yes. that kept West Ham up. Yeah, and the which ensuing court would not case. prove to be controversial in any way whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Which two teams made the Champions League final? Two uh, AC Milan AC and uh, Liverpool. And that is absolutely correct. Eight fourteen. Josh is on the combat trail. <laughs> There's not enough questions left, probably. Give double points to him if he gets a question right. <laughs> nah, come on, boys. Let's just play the game. Right, so... Yeah, absolutely correct. AC Milan and Liverpool met off once again in the Champions League final. AC Milan winning this time around. Which result confirmed Manchester United's Premier League win? I should say, actually, before we go on, I, I did that relegated promoted question sure. in my head before I looked at the answers, and the only one I got wrong was Charleston as well. I was like, oh, Charleston did play in the Premier League. Oh, I love them. <laughs> So yeah, Robin Van Persie which... scored that volley. How could I forget? Yes, exactly. That was that year. Um, Alan Pardew was the manager when they were relegated. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's a bit of a... Which... Yeah, so what result confirmed Manchester United's Premier League win? Because I also got this one wrong as well, actually. I'm assuming it was between Chelsea and United that year. Um... Oh, I should know this and I don't. Um, I'm going to let Josh go for it first. Because I think I might know. I feel like it's something daft. It's not Blackburn because that was twenty eleven, I think. By the way, I should stress when I when I say the result that confirmed Man United's Premier League champions, what I mean is the the game in particular that meant Man United were now mathematically clear at the top and champions. I'm going to say uh, Manchester United Blackburn, but by your phrasing there, I feel like Man United weren't involved. Okay, so you're going with Man United Blackburn? Sure. Tam Brown? I mean, I've, I've been thrown by the phrasing of your question. I was going to go with a Man United victory over Chelsea. You're close. You're, you're close. It was it was actually Man United were not involved in the game. They'd beaten Man City early on in the weekend 1-0. They needed Chelsea to drop points. They drew one all away at Arsenal to give Manchester United the Ooh. title. It was um yeah I I actually thought it was the Bolton game the week before because I completely because that's a game I remember right going oh my yeah. god they've actually drawn with Bolton Man United are going to win the league but that actually only took Man United five points clear at the top with three games remaining each Man United then won to go eight points clear and then Chelsea could only draw so they you know were doomed yeah. at that point. How did Reading do in the Premier League that year? Yes, we're doing this as a question. 
Just well, I think I, w- I want to say like twelfth. Twelfth, the closest two wins. We'll say. I think they were eighth. Eighth is spot on. <laughs> oh, you absolute menace! <laughs> Eighth is absolutely correct. They finished eighth that year. First year in the Premier League, 55 points. They had, like, Kevin Doyle or someone like that. Kevin Doyle and Dave Gibson. By the way, actually, I will give you five points if you can tell me who the Championship's top goal scorer was, because I I didn't know this. That year? Yeah, that year. So Josh can get back in it. In fact, six points, if you get it. You know what, we're just going going crazy now. We're going crazy. Oh... Who was champions that year? Um, Sunderland won the league. Sunderland. Because I'll be no, honest, this stunned no. me. Not at all. I, I think I know it. Go on. Is it David Nugent? It's not. Oh, oh. yourself. It's Jamie Curiton of Colchester United was okay, the top what? goal scorer that year with 23 in oh the championship. God. That stunned me. I, I wanted it to be Akos Bazaki, but it wasn't Akos. Or Rory Fallon. Rory Fallon. What a player. We Loved do him. love the niche references. Oh, I do love them. <laughs> We're finally living up to our name, because on the, in the description I put random footballers from 10 plus years ago. And we're finally <laughs> mentioning them. Rory Fallon and Akos Bazaki. <laughs> we've done it. Jamie Curverton. Right, who won the league and how? Two points. So, one point for who won, and one point for what was... Interesting. Barcelona. You're saying Barcelona won the league. I can't think how. I'm just thinking, you know, they were dominant at that time and they were in Champions League the following year. So we'll have a guess at that. Real Madrid. You're saying Real Madrid won the league? What was was notable about this Real Madrid winning the league? Beckham's last game. It was Beckham's last season in, in Madrid, that. But that's not what's notable. I will say now, for the record, it was Real Madrid who won La Liga that year. And this also wasn't a particularly dominant Barca, because this is before Pep Guardiola took over. This was Frank Rijkaard as manager. So did, just, in fact, I think it was his last full year in charge. Did they only win it because a team lost on the final day? No, I'll tell you. They both, by the way, incredibly low record. Both finished on 76 points. Real Madrid won it on head-to-head. Oh. Which obviously is how they... That's the second thing they go to in Spain before goal difference to go to head-to-head record. Real Madrid had beaten Barcelona and drawn with them, which meant they had the better head-to-head. And that is why Real Madrid won La Liga. They actually went behind on the last day as well to... uh, I think it was Mallorca off the top of my head. But they came back to win 3-1 and win La Liga as a result. So, you know, your Man City game, that can... That was more dramatic. But still, head-to-head record decide the league is quite interesting. The 6 La Liga season actually does look really interesting to look at. Who won the first FA Cup final of a new Wembley? Chelsea. I, I, I think so. I, I'll be honest, I need to double-check now. I think it was 2007 versus Man United. I didn't, I didn't write it down. It was. it was. It was. Chelsea beat Man United in the... Do you know what? I'm being kind. I'm giving you two points because you named. <laughs> I mean, it's still sixteen ten to Alex, but to be fair, still. he got both. He got both participants in the final, so yeah. two points definitely. Yeah, and Frank Lampard was top goal scorer, so he was crying tears of joy. 
song. It's all of the stars. <laughs> <laughs> right, final question in the regular part of the quiz. Which former Football League member went bust after being relegated to the Conference North? It's not York City, is it? Well, considering they've not gone bust... No, I thought they might have, like, you know... No. Oh, Though you're in the right county. Well, you're in, it's very in Yorkshire. Scarborough is correct, mm. yes. Scarborough Athletic. Was it Scarborough Athletic first? Now it's Scarborough AFC. Yeah, I was trying yeah. to decide between Scarborough, Scarborough and Weatherby. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why Weatherby was in my head. Mm. I've got a couple more minutes, lads, called, to be honest yeah, with you. There's two more questions. In fact, no, there's one more question. So, because I wanted to ask it, 2006-07 was my first year following football. Who were my favourite Leeds players that year? Two points. That's two. Oh, dear. Two players really stood out above the rest. Now, Alan I... Smith had gone by that point, hasn't he? Yes. Thanks for reminding me, Josh. <laughs> we're not still hurting over that. <laughs> <laughs> this was the last year in the Championship before we were relegated to League One. Ooh. I'm trying to think of the lead side back then. It was just very a, difficult, a to be fair. fun club of fun. One of them, I fully admit today, I don't know why he was one of my favourite players. He just was. I just Is loved it him. Marquez or something like that? It's not really Marquez, no. One of them was a winger, one of them was a forward. I think I know the winger. The winger? Seb Carroll? No, no. <laughs> if, well, actually, it wouldn't be any less confusing than Seb Carroll, so... <laughs> he played He played as part of the Derby squad the year after in the Premier League. In fact, both of them played in the Premier League the year after. Oh. Oh, I can picture him. What nationality is he? Was I he think English? I cut out then. No, it's not English. Oh, oh no, did he say something? Yeah, wait, have you already given the answer? No. I was, okay. I was quite lightweight, so they, they weren't like my... They, they didn't mean as much to me as Jermaine Beckford did the year after, who I still count as my first favourite Leeds player, but these two would have been the two I would have picked if I'd... Torre Andre Flo. No, not Torre Andre Flo. He actually could have been my favourite player in 07 08 just because he was really good on FIFA. In fact, that's probably why I like this winger. I'll give you I'll give you 20 more seconds. I mean, top scorer, David Healy. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that's obvious. David Healy was one of them. Fraser Richardson was a right back, wasn't he? Fraser Richardson was a right back, yeah. Can you give us the nationality of the other guy? American. If 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 Alex gets it, I'll be surprised. Josh is literally on Wikipedia at the moment. Yeah, no, I have. I've got the squad up. Eddie Lewis. Oh, I'd have said Jamal Johnson. Jamal <laughs> <laughs> Johnson, Jesus Christ. <laughs> he came into my head and I thought, why would Alex idolise Eddie Lewis of all people? <laughs> I, that's why I said it's really confusing, right? I should have just gone with it. Wait, Fabian Delph was at Leeds. Yeah, that he year. played. He played in the Derby game on the last every year. Look at that squad, right? Johnny Harrison, yeah. Jermaine Beckford, Fabian Delph, Danny Rose, Stephen Craney's all not a bad player. Where's no, Danny he Rose? Was. He was. Oh wow, pretty Danny hell. Adam Johnson came on loan that year as well. Oh, you had Tony Warner. Yeah, we had Tony Warner, he came in on loan from Blackburn, I want to say. Oh my god, you also had a certain person who is in jail at the moment. Yeah, I've just <laughs> mentioned him. 
<laughs> but somewhere in my wardrobe again is a um, don't say uh, match day program. Don't say it. Match day program had Adam Johnson on the front. Oh, Johnson, I thought so different. Johnson Rose. I can't remember the third person. It might have been Dow for Futures Bright and all that. That long. And why would you be? Why would you be talking about the future of a lone E? He was on loan. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you had an Adam Johnson shirt, and then I'd have just lost that. No. <laughs> Why would I have got a shirt of a lone E? No. I, in fact, Look, I am very okay. to get Martin Odegaard. Final, b- final bonus point. Who was the only person I've ever had on the back of a shirt? There's Is only it one Beckford? player. No. It wasn't Beckford. It wasn't Beckford. It was, I'll give you a clue. It was the 2010-11 season. I finally decided I wanted a shirt printing with a player on the back. McCormack. No. Oh, in 2010-11, man. It was awful. They only scored once. Was it's it more of obvious. One? It's far more of obvious than that. Becchio? Becchio! <laughs> <laughs> Luciano Becchio is the only person I've had on the back of the shirt. Anyway, that, that might end up being our longest podcast yet, which is <laughs> very weird. But, you know, we've got to talk about the 06-07 season, which, you know, <laughs> means oh, a I lot. I love that quiz. I love By the way, quiz. there's a... There's a uh, there's a football manager database for 0607, and everyone should play it all the time. Anyway, that's all for this podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday to discuss more from the world of football, and we'll have actual fixtures to talk about. Hey! Football is back. Until then, thank you for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>